What's up, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Terminator Training Method Show. I'm your host, as always, Kevin Smith. Thank you for tuning in. Today's episode is going to be a Q&A episode. As always, if you want your questions answered, follow me on Instagram, Terminator underscore training, and send me your questions when you see my stories. Usually about once a week, I will post in my stories and ask me anything. So whatever questions you may have, send them there. I'll answer them on Instagram, and then I'll also answer them on the podcast a little bit more in depth. A couple announcements before we get going. If you are looking for a training program, I have three of them available on my website, terminatortraining.com. I have a beginner program. It's three days a week, full body. It is called the Kickstart Program. I also have a intermediate to more advanced muscle building hypertrophy program called the 19-week hypertrophy program. That's also over there. And then if you want to get really strong and also get really jacked and also get really good at endurance activities, running, rucking, whatever you want to do, swimming, whatever you like to do for endurance type stuff, then check out the Jack Gazelle program. That's more of a hybrid program, pretty high, high intensity, definitely not a program for someone who's inexperienced with weightlifting or and also endurance sports but a a really good one so i also have a nutrition guide available on my website it's a 32 page ebook and that can be also found over there good news is in the future actually i'm currently working on this right now i plan on having some training teams on the train heroic app it's pretty much you just Kind of select whichever program you think suits you most. I plan on having a five-day-per-week kind of muscle-building program. I plan on having a tactical athlete program. And then I also plan on having more of a beginner program, three to four days per week. So you kind of just choose whichever one kind of interests you or relates to you based on your goals. And you can go ahead and sign up for that. Now, now they're not done yet, so don't go don't go looking for them yet. I'll, I'll make an announcement on my social media and on the podcast when they're done. But yeah, that's coming up in the future. It's just an app that you can train through. You can log all your the weights you use, how many reps you did, how you felt that day, and it's really easy to track progress. You can kind of compete with other people who are following the same program, and the programs will update. I, I'll update the programs every month or so and yeah you can continue making progress so it's pretty cool if you haven't checked out train heroic i I do recommend checking them out they're pretty pretty cool little training app they make programming take a lot less time than it usually takes me when i'm doing it on a like an excel spreadsheet or google sheet It, it it takes a long time and just the programming part that that part's easy that you just plug and play but the actually setting it up making it look nice is what takes the longest and this app makes that really easy so again not complete yet but should be i i plan on releasing it the first of october i like to follow programs myself that i make first before i release them just to make sure they're good to go 
make sure you're not going to be spending like three hours in the gym, etc. So I got to test them out a little bit uh, before I release them. But yeah, something to look forward to in the future. All right, so let's get into the questions. What is your stance on barbell, squat, bench, and deadlift? So for people who don't know, uh, the barbell, squat, bench, and deadlift are probably like the three quote-unquote most bang-for-your-buck lifts that a lot of people say that you can possibly do. Now, are they... These are these lifts are... They're all good exercises if you have the prerequisites to do them. So like if you're a beginner, you may and you've never used a barbell before, maybe you want to start with a body weight squat and a push-up and a banded good morning, for example, instead of immediately going to a barbell. Or maybe if you want to do barbell stuff, you start with a PVC pipe or a broomstick so you can actually get the technique down before you actually switch to a barbell, start loading that type type of movement, etc. If you're more advanced, as people get more and more advanced, as people age, as people have been lifting for longer and longer, I generally recommend kind of not necessarily ditching the barbell and never using it, but consider using other things more often than barbells. And that goes for the squat bench and deadlift as well. They're all very good. What, what the bang for your buck kind of means is that by doing those three exercises regularly, you're going to get a lot stronger and you're going to build muscle. However, there are, when you use a barbell too much and for too long, it, you can actually end up developing problems. The problem with a barbell is that it's a, it's a fixed bar, so it doesn't move at all. So when you grab the barbell with your hands or you put the barbell on your back, you have to be in a certain position no matter what in order to execute movements. And this is this is totally fine to do for a period of time. It's fine to go through when you're just starting out especially once you get past that, you know, goblet squat, PVC pipe type movement. It's great to start out with a barbell especially if you're young. Not required, but great. But as you get more and more experienced, having your hands in a fixed position or the barbell in a fixed position on your back, for example, during a squat, may not be the best thing for your joints, may not be the best thing for longevity to do it all the time. So a lot of people just completely hate on, I think it's like the hot new thing to do right now to to hate on the barbell squat bench and deadlift and I think that I don't think that's very appropriate, but I do think that if you want to lift forever, if you want to lift into late age, if you want to avoid or at least mitigate joint pain and issues like that, then switching away from the barbell occasionally for a period of time or maybe one day per week you have barbells and then the other day per week you do dumbbells or machines or cables maybe a very good strategy. So the barbell squat in particular is a lift that it's very difficult to actually do a a very good squat, a squat that you can repeat over and over and over again, continue to add load to and never get any sort of injury. It's a very high skill movement. 
It involves lots of mobility. And even some people are just not built really well for, for doing lots and lots of squats. Some people are also will also get not a lot of... The squat is known pretty well known to be a quad developer. And some people won't get a lot of quad development from squatting. So uh, take me, for example. I have long femurs and my i'm kind of lanky and i'm not like super tall i'm only six foot one but my, my femur length and just some of my what's called anthropometry just my limb lengths don't really lend themselves well for me to do like an upright quad dominant squat so i'm more a little bit more bent over and i i can squat more weight with a low bar position where i'm holding the bar down low on my back and I used to do that a lot because I used to be really into, I didn't compete in powerlifting, but I used to be into training the power lifts. And I, I kind of went away from that low bar position because I was just feeling banged up all the time. It takes a lot of shoulder mobility and stability to hold that position. And again, it just, the squat for me is not the best leg developer. It's very glute and lower back dominant for me. So I still like to squat and I will do squats a lot with a safety bar or a transformer bar. Uh, I've also implemented front squats back into my routine and I'll occasionally do high bar squats. Not very often. Kind of, I'll do that when there's nothing else really available. But yeah, I mean, using a barbell, it's, it's totally not necessary to do all the time. So you can do squats on a hack squat machine a leg you can do leg presses you can do single leg type squats and lunges and still get great results from that the deadlift same same type of thing it the deadlift's great to do if you are built well for it um if you're not built well for it you can make small little adjustments to make it much more safe and make it beat you up a lot less for example, you can use a hex bar. A he the hex bar position with your hands kind of to your sides is just a more advantageous position, less kind of risky on your lower back because a lot of people will deadlift. They won't really focus on form before they start adding weight to the bar, and that can be a recipe for injury down the road, especially if you are really pushing the weight and, and going low rep but like really highly intense. Uh, deadlift can be a little bit risky. Again, there are tons and tons of variations of deadlifts that are very effective at building muscle and strength, but not necessarily quite as risky. Anything from an RDL, single leg RDLs are great, stiff legged deadlifts. Even just putting like two bumper plates, a bumper plate on each side where the plates would normally be on the ground to lift the bar up the starting positions like a couple inches higher can be really, really good for a lot of people. And then you can do them with dumbbells. You can do them with a hex bar, like I said earlier. So it doesn't have to be with a with a barbell, but it can be. I mean, it's a fun, it's my favorite exercise, so it can be, but I don't do it all the time. I rotate it in and out of my program because when I get too attached to it, when I start doing it too much, when I start really pushing the weight, I usually have like a nagging lower back or hip issue and it's nothing crazy it's just not enjoyable and at this stage in my life i'd rather just feel good than you know try to deadlift 600 pounds so and as for bench press with a barbell that one's 
very, very individual. Some people build huge, like a huge chest by doing bar, barbell bench press. Other people, I'm one of them. I don't really feel barbell bench in my chest very much and it beats up my shoulders. So I usually use a neutral grip bar where my hands are kind of facing each other with a slightly closer grip, like a little outside shoulder width. There's a bar called the Cadillac bar, which is a neutral grip kind of curved bar that gives you more range of motion. And my shoulders feel a lot better when I do that and I actually feel it in my chest. Dumbbells are awesome. The The biggest issue with the barbell bench press is the fixed position that I was mentioning earlier. Your hands are in a fixed position. And if you don't have really good technique and your, your body's not built very well for a good bench press, it can definitely irritate your shoulders down the road. So, you know, I... I've never loved bench press because I've always sucked at it compared to my other lifts, but I know some people do. And if, if you get great results from the bench press, there's nothing wrong with keeping it in your, in your workout. But yeah, I mean, I guess that's my stance on barbell squat bench and deadlift. Hopefully that answered the question. I know I kind of jumped around a little bit, but yeah, use barbells when you want, but you don't have to use them forever. And in fact, you probably shouldn't use them all the time forever. Next question, what do you recommend to eat to stay in le- stay lean and healthy? Okay, so w- the quality of food you eat is pretty much going to be the same across the board as far as what I recommend. I don't recommend doing anything extreme like vegan, plant-based, um, carnivore, keto, anything like that. that these things can work pretty well for some people, but for most people, a omniferous diet, which means you eat plants and animal-based foods, is probably the best idea. And then as long as you're eating certain foods, really the only way to stay lean or and, and maintain your health is the being mindful of how many calories you're eating. But if you're eating quality foods, whole foods, non-processed foods, it's actually a lot easier to eat the amount of calories that you're supposed to eat in order to maintain or your leanness or lose weight and maintain your health than it is if you're eating a bunch of processed foods. So generally speaking, foods I recommend, meat of any kind, so chicken, beef, honestly beef is by far the best, the most nutritious type of standard meat that you can get. I guess it's not as nutritious as like organ meats, but as far as meats that you can buy like at the grocery store, anything, any type of beef, whether it's ground beef, steaks, whatever, elk, uh, bison, things like that. Chicken's all right, not not as nutritious as meat, as beef. It's also not as tasty as beef, but totally fine. Some, Some types of pork are fine, fish, eggs, whole eggs, not necessarily egg whites. You can add some egg whites to your whole eggs to up the protein a little bit, but if you skip out on whole eggs, you are missing out on a lot of nutrients. Rice, white rice, preferably white rice is a lot easier to digest for a high percentage of people than brown rice. Potatoes, any kind of potatoes, Fruits, best fruits are generally berries, citrus fruits, and some tropical fruits, but really any fruit, you can't really go wrong. 
vegetables. I, I don't eat a ton of vegetables personally. I don't digest vegetables very well. When I do eat vegetables, I make sure I cook them. Cooking the vegetables makes them more digestible. You can eat a lot of vegetables if, if you do well with them, but a lot of people have trouble with digestion. They get bloated, gassy when they eat too many vegetables, but vegetables are very nutritious. So kind of go at your own, do, do your own thing with that. But yeah, the biggest one is just how many calories you're eating per day. And the best way to figure that out, you, there's, there's calculators online that you can that you can use to get kind of give yourself an idea of how many calories you require to stay the same, your maintenance calories, but maybe go online and do one of those and then track your calories for a couple of weeks and also track your body weight. And if you lost weight over those two weeks, you were in a deficit. If you gained weight over those two weeks, you were in a surplus. And if you stayed about the same, you were eating at maintenance and there you go, that's your maintenance. So in order to get leaner, you got to eat below that. Generally speaking, a deficit of three to 500 calories is probably a good place to start for most people. Now, if you're eating very, very little already and you have a really slow metabolism, because this is, this is usually caused by a history of like yo-yo dieting and extreme measures to lose weight and then kind of rebounding up, you've kind of not broken your metabolism. I hate when people say that, but you have, you have slowed your metabolism down. Uh, you can consider actually adding calories and trying to build a little bit of muscle so you speed that metabolism back up. This is called reverse dieting. There's a lot more to it. This It would probably take like an entire episode for me to explain it, but you can add calories a little bit at a time, really focus on trying to build muscle in the gym, and this will speed your metabolism up so you'll have a higher number to start your cut from. And then, yeah, if, if you're happy with how lean you are now and your health as it currently is, then yeah, eat about the same and you should be good to go. So yeah, whole foods, nothing extreme and yeah, eat what eat foods that you enjoy eating that make you feel good. Some people have food intolerances that they don't know about or they're just kind of unaware of. If you eat certain foods and you don't feel good afterwards, then don't eat those as much. Sometimes really healthy foods will be not so healthy for some people and that's just the way it is. So yeah. Next question. Is a high or low volume approach better for muscle gain? So this is another one that's like very dependent on the person. Generally speaking, if you're beginner, intermediate, and even like slightly more advanced, uh, higher vol and younger, a higher volume approach is probably a good idea. And that that's, I say that because in order to make a, a low volume approach work really well, you have to be able to push the effort. You have to be able to push the intensity. And by intensity, I don't mean percentage of your one rep max, like powerlifting type programming intensity. I mean like your effort. So your proximity to failure. If you are, if you're able to push really, really close to failure on almost every single set and occasionally go all the way to failure, then a low volume approach is going to be better. And what does that look like? That's probably anywhere between eight to 12 sets per muscle group per week. And then a higher volume approach would be anywhere from 15 to 20, maybe a little bit more sets 
uh, sets per muscle group per week. So yeah, if you're a beginner, you, you probably aren't experienced or intermediate. You're not experienced enough to take your sets with really, really good form, really close to failure. So doing more sets of each exercise is probably a good idea. But as you get more advanced and you really want to maximize your longevity and how you're feeling and how your joints feel, I would consider once you're able to get really get that close, uh, each set really close to failure, I would consider kind of upping the intensity and lowering the volume and really just making every set count. If you can do, for example, let's take a hack squat. If you can do two sets of 10 reps of a hack squat and be extremely close to failure on both sets, you're probably going to feel better and have less central fatigue, like overall fatigue and less joint pain doing that than you would if you did four or five sets, but you were doing 10 to, we'll say 10 to 12 reps, but you're not very close to failure. You're just doing so many more uh, repetitions, which is important when you are trying to build the skill of exercise. But as you get older, if you can crush your quads in two sets of a hack squat, then absolutely go for it. So they, they both work and there have been very jacked, strong bodybuilders that have used both approaches and they're both, they both work. But for a long, as far as longevity is concerned, if you're trying to, again, lift till late age, you definitely want to consider as you get more advanced, switching to a lower volume approach. Next question is 10,000 steps a day really that important? So the number 10,000 steps, not necessary. There's nothing magic about like if you get 9,000 one day, you're not going to like be less healthy. But having a step goal is just in general a good practice for a lot of people because it's kind of hard to intuitively know whether you were very active that day or not. So having something that counts your steps and having a goal to work towards can be really good. Uh, walking. I mean, I've talked about walking ad nauseum about how healthy it is for you. There have been studies showing that any people who, I believe it was people who increased their walking from 3,000 to 7,000 or 7,500 steps per day, decreased their likelihood of all-cause mortality by, I want to say it was like 60%. So that's pretty significant. I've seen lots of data on just as you get more and more steps, your likelihood of death from a health-related cause, so all-cause mortality, decreases significantly. So keep those things in mind. 10,000, there's nothing magic about it, but generally speaking, if someone gets 10,000 steps per day, maybe 12,000, whatever it may be, they're probably going to be pretty healthy. They're going to be a health-conscious person, generally, unless you just have like a really active job. It's not going to it's not going to make you able to kind of do whatever you want besides that. Like it's not, you're not going to just, if you get 10,000 steps per day, you're not just going to miraculously cure all your health issues. If you, if you don't pay attention to nutrition, strength training, things like that, but it can be a good target to shoot for. And it can kind of 
give you some actual data, some actionable data that you can be like, oh, okay, cool. I've been really active this week. I'm averaging 10,000 steps. Awesome. Let's keep that going. So I guess that's, that's kind of really all I got for that one. Next one, is it really possible to eat intuitively? Yes, it is possible. I eat intuitively most, almost every day. I occasionally track and tracking the, the best way to enable yourself to eat intuitively is to not eat intuitively for a while and actually track. That way you're able to kind of eyeball portions and find foods that you are that you like, that you eat regularly, that are healthy, that you feel full from eating, that you feel energetic from eating, that fuel your life, your workouts, your whatever you're doing in life. Um, but yeah, you have to track for a while and there's no like magic amount of time, but I, I would track for at least a couple of months before you start trying to eat intuitively. And you, you have to be like really in tune with your body your body's like signals of hunger, satiation, how you feel after you eat certain things. Does it give you like an energy crash? Does it mess with your blood sugar? Things like that in order to eat intuitively. And then the way I do it, I, I kind of just go by the mirror. Like if I am eating a little bit too much, I can kind of see it in the mirror. I get a little softer. And then if I'm not eating enough, I look really skinny and I kind of feel like my workouts suffer a little bit. So I, I have like this like pretty, pretty good idea of how much I'm eating each day. And I eat very similar things every day, especially during the day. Sometimes I'll eat like a variety of different dinners, but even like for some people I eat, I eat pretty much the same thing for dinner, but, um, in my mind, I have a variety of different dinners, if that makes sense. But yeah, you can definitely eat intuitively. It's a great way to be less stressed and food centric, but you have to do, you have to have the prerequisites. You have to have some nutrition knowledge. You have to be able to eyeball portions and you have to be really in tune with your body. So it takes some, takes some time. It takes some practice. So yeah. All right. Next question. What is a good warm-up for rucking? So if you are just going for a walk with a ruck on, which I recommend most people, if they're going to ruck, that's what you should do. But if you are going to a selection that involves ruck running, you're going to have to ruck run in order to prepare for it. So it's the warm-up doesn't need to be anything crazy, just some maybe some hip mobility, some dynamic hamstring and quad warm-ups, maybe some quick explosive plyometrics, and maybe say you have like a 10 mile ruck run the first before you even start your your gps before you start your actual like timed 10 mile portion maybe do like a half a mile walk and a few a few maybe every two minutes you will run for 30 seconds or trot for 30 seconds and get faster and faster each time so that you're warmed up so once you start running you're you're ready to roll it's kind of like any any sort of warm up you would do for like a run you would do probably do for a ruck maybe a few additional things since you're going to have weight on your back but it doesn't have to be anything crazy um yeah you just want to get your body prepared your joints prepared your your nervous system prepared and yeah that's that's really it if you're but again if you're walking just just start walking it's 
it's not super dangerous where you're going to like pull something or mess something up if you're just walking with a ruck on. So, and the last question, what's the ideal split for someone over 40? All right. There's no, there's no real such thing as an ideal split and by split, I mean your training split. So which days per week you train, which muscles in general, as you get older, especially if you have been lifting for a long time and you've already developed the skills of certain exercises, you don't really need to hit each muscle group as often as you do when you are younger or when you are trying to get better at lifting. So if that's the case, if you're more experienced and you've been lifting for at least 10, 15 years, you probably can hit each muscle group every four or five days. And for that, I the, the split I like as you get older is a push-pull legs A and B split. So you're training four days per week, for example, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, and you're switching back and forth between an A and a B. What that does, so for example, week one, you'll do, I actually like pull-push legs over push-pull legs. So you'll do your pull day, pull day A, push day A, Friday you'll do leg day A, Saturday you will do your pull day B. So you hit pull, you, you hit your pull muscles twice that week. Um, and then the following week you'll hit your push muscles twice and the following week you'll hit your, um, your legs twice. So basically every three weeks you are hitting one muscle group twice. And what, what that also does is each time you hit a different muscle group, it's about five days apart. You're doing it about five days apart. So that gives you like plenty of rest and recovery, keeps your joints healthy. You don't have to like take the days off in between, like completely off. You can do conditioning, stuff like that, sled work, hill sprints, things like that. But it, it'll it help you help you with your longevity. You'll feel better doing this type of split. You can do a full body split three days a week. You can do uh, you can do push pull legs full. You can do upper lower upper lower four days per week. It's kind of whatever whatever you can recover from and whatever you feel good from and whatever you continue to make progress from. There's no like magic split for those over forty. If you're less advanced, obviously you want to uh, train movements more often and more frequently. That way you get better at them. So that would be like a case where I would do a full body probably three days per week or upper lower if you're kind of more intermediate. But yeah, as you get more advanced, as, as you get older, you don't need to hit, you don't need to do as many sets. You don't need to do super high rep stuff. You don't need to do as much frequency and you're going to feel better and you're still going to make progress. And yeah, it'll work out really well for you. But yeah, that's it. I kept this around 30 minutes. That's pretty good for me. Appreciate everyone tuning in. And until next time, Terminator out.